the boys join me this afternoon. Health and well-being again. Peter Mullen and Philip Rankin. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. Great topic today. A lot of people I know of actually suffer with either type 1 diabetes or type 2 diabetes. So we'll take a look at the whole umbrella, which is diabetes today, Peter. That's right. And there's there's actually more than 2 million Australians at high risk of developing type 2 diabetes. But most have absolutely no idea until it's you know, until there's some sort of serious health thing. So we'll be talking about that. I imagine the first thing we need to clarify is what's the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes, Peter? Well, type 1 type one is actually an autoimmune condition and usually occurs in younger people. So it's where the immune system destroys the insulin-producing cells in the pancreas. So there's no, no, no known link to diet and lifestyle. So... Um, you know, it's, it's a genetic predisposition. So you're born basically. that way. You're born with that predisposition, yep. and then often it gets triggered by a bad viral infection or something. A type 2 diabetes occurs as a result of what's called insulin resistance, which develops gradually over time as a result of diet and lifestyle choices, and um, often there's a family history as well with type 2 diabetes. Now, you mentioned diet and lifetime choices there, lifestyle choices. What what can it be that can lead to this, the development of type 2 diabetes? Well, the, the, the well, type 2 diabetes accounts for 80 to, 85 to 90% of all cases. And um, type 2 diabetes is one of those conditions, a bit like cardiovascular disease, where diet and lifestyle makes a massive difference in both preventing these conditions. So say, for instance, and this is where preventative medicine comes in, if, if, if there's members of your family, if you've got a direct member, a mother or father, um, grandparents that have diabetes, then most likely you're at greater risk of developing diabetes. So that's when we go to the um, preventative sort of things. Um, and we might talk about that a little bit later on yes, about yes. specifically diet, exercise, um, and there's some great natural medicines as well. But what, what about some of these causes? Well, the interesting thing, like in, in, in the next week we're doing a, a free talk at our office on diabetes, but it's also going to be on blood sugar balance and metabolic syndrome. With, with diabetes, what happens with, with um, insulin resistance? So when we eat carbohydrates, so everyone's familiar with carbohydrates, you know, bread, pasta, rice, but also carbohydrates are our um, fruits, veggies, salad, and then you've got the really bad carbs, sugar, biscuits, cakes, lollies, etc., so when we have carbs, carbs are broken down in the body to glucose. Glucose goes into the bloodstream. And the pancreas produces insulin, and the insulin which allows the glucose to go into the cells. But what happens when people have excess carbohydrates, um, those carbs or that glucose that's not burned as fuel gets converted into bad fats, like cholesterol and other bad fats. And these fats actually clog up these insulin um, receptors so that then the whole system fails. So you end up with high levels of glucose, you end up with damage to the pancreas, and then you end up with um, things like inflammation, fatty liver, you know, and more serious issues as well. Now, Peter, how can you tell if you are at risk of developing diabetes? Well, um, just before, Peter, you mentioned just recently then on, <clears throat> it's all about the excess, the excess of those sugars and the impact on our biochemistry not being able to deal with it. Often, recognise it like five o'clock traffic coming out of Sydney. There's so much. It takes the oxygen out of the blood, the increase in the sugar and all sugars. And not all sugars are bad. It's the excess and the uh, the overuse of that sugar all at once into our system. Yeah, it's, it is. It's a shock. And Dave, you were just saying about the food in America. Yeah. You know, portion sizes. Massive and portions. Yeah. 
you're going hard to get a smaller irregular helping. Uh, it's always really big size, you know, upsize. I'll have that. And, and we had to keep saying to them, now, can we have a small small soda, small Diet Coke? And, we, and we've all talked for, for many weeks, Peter, on digestion and digestion, digestion, digestion. Now, the body has to deal with that digestion all at once. And if there's an excess of sugars that, that are burdened like a 10-ton truck dropping all the stones onto your driveway. It's like, how do I deal with this? And it's and really, the body only wants to deal with it barrow by barrow. And so that excess, that impact on the it, it, it system just blows out. That's it. That's it. And um, I think the, 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 the great thing, though, about something, and we'll get onto this in the next section, but the great thing about something like diabetes and prediabetes is they are preventable. And to a large deal, manageable because you just have to work on decreasing that excess. But some of the signs, as I was saying before, a lot of people are at risk of developing type 2 diabetes and they're not even aware. So some of the signs and symptoms that you could be having some blood sugar issues are things like, well, fatigue's an obvious one. Um, as we're getting older, finding it hard to lose weight, particularly if you carry that weight around your belly. Can I, can I just jump in there? That fatigue, often we'll get fatigued and then we'll look for something to get an upper yeah, yeah, and then that gets you in the cycle of you're looking then for more carbohydrates, yeah. more something sweet. Yeah, so the carbohydrates come in and think, well, it's not too much sugar because I need that upper and I need that sugar and I need to get up again. And then the highs are high and then the lows are low. And it's disguised in a way thinking I'm getting energy, but it's actually not nutritional energy. It's a, it's false, a chemical energy. False sense of energy. Well, it's not like what, what a lot of people don't realize is even episodes of low blood sugar. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of my clients will come in and they'll say, oh, yeah, mid-morning I get a real crash. I've got to have something sweet. Or 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon I've got to have a coffee with two sugars or a chocolate bar. These episodes of low blood sugar could be the early signs of blood sugar imbalance. So it's not all, you know, there's low blood sugar and they're high there's high blood sugar often low can contribute to high mm. um, things like cardiovascular disease even someone that's got you know elevated cholesterol can be a sign of prediabetes fatty liver you know when I first started in practice 20 odd years ago the only people that had a fatty liver were people that had an alcohol excess problem so just explain that that fatty liver what had you... well the excess carbs excess glucose it doesn't get burnt for fuel in the muscle cells it gets converted to fat the elevated insulin drives that fat into the liver, and then you get fatty infiltration of your liver. So fatty livers, again, that next step up. Of what impacts can that have on the liver? Well, if you imagine, you know, if you've ever had, have you ever had lamb fry when you're oh, a yeah. kid? Yeah. yeah. So you know, when you see a piece of liver, it should look nice and clean and red. Mm. If you imagine that all infiltrated with fat, like you know that marbled meat. Yeah. Once you get that fatty infiltration, the liver, the liver becomes enlarged. You know, there's over fifty thousand bile ducts that get rid of toxins. All of those things start to falter, so you start to get elevated liver enzymes and liver damage, and mm, so the liver is just not going to support you in any way, making digestive yeah, absolutely. enzymes. So then you're more reactive down. to chemicals in your diet, like it just spirals out of control. But yeah, it's interesting. So it's the excess glucose and the failure of that insulin to be able to get it into the cell, is what sets this whole process up. Interestingly, okay. the fat, when we mention that, we're thinking that you have to be overweight, but half the people... Absolutely. I see, I see slim people with fatty liver. And interestingly, the new research is suggesting that with heart disease, it's not the fat that's causing the problem mm. per se. It's not the fat in our diet. It's the carbohydrate in our diet that gets converted to fats. It's that conversion to these bad fats is what causes the damage associated with cardiovascular disease, not the fat that you're eating off your off your 
chicken or fish or meat. So that's an interesting change to the way it's, it's being viewed. And it's possibly the damage in it is, is it's not able to be digested properly. It gets stored, and the problem stored. is it gets stored in all the wrong areas. Mm. Let's look at some of the things that can be done to prevent diabetes, Peter. Well, diet, as we said, diet, diet and exercise. You know, we talk about diet and exercise all the time on this program because true preventative medicine or people having more control of their health, really, you've got to get these two sorted. Um, from a, a reducing your risk of diabetes, or even if you have diabetes, things like um, or involving reducing your carbohydrates while eating healthy protein, lots of veggies and salad, plus low glycemic fruits. Now, with carbs, and as I was saying, our talk next week is not just about diabetes. It's, it's really to try and get a handle on glycemic index and the whole concept of blood sugar management because blood sugar issues really are seen as driving all health conditions these days, even things like cancer, diabetes, obviously, but things like Alzheimer's, dementia, um, depression, anxiety. So sugar... And sugar management is essential to having good health. Carbohydrates. So the ideal carbs in our diet, obviously, are our vegetables, salad, and two to three pieces of low glycemic fruit. Because um, people don't think that lettuce is a carb, but it is. But obviously, eating more lettuce is going to give you only a very tiny amount of glucose. So you want lots of that. You want to have once, once a day, one serve, once a day only of bread, cereal, either bread, cereal, grains, pasta, rice, potato and banana so if you have one banana a day that should be you for your starchy carbs and then once a week or never biscuits cakes lollies sugar processed foods alcohol um, additives and preservatives exercise regularly it helps your body to bypass the insulin resistance so when you exercise it actually um, bypasses that whole complex insulin and glucose into the cell kind of opens the back door and the glucose just goes straight in so Diabetics must exercise every day, but anyone interested in preventing or having good health as well. Um, HIT, you know, the, the new new thing in the, the market at the, or the block at the moment, high-intensity interval training, you know, we, which suits me because you exercise for less and less often a week, so that works out, um, can allow you or help you to burn glucose for two to four hours afterwards. Um, and then from a supplement point of view, um, Gymnema, one of my favorite herbs, helps with insulin to become more effective. And herbal medicine is awesome for um, things like diabetes. Gymnema may actually even help to repair the beta cells of your pancreas. So some interesting new concepts or research coming out about gymnema. Cinnamon, have you guys heard about cinnamon mm. for blood sugar management? Um, a teaspoon a day helps improve metabolic health in diabetes. Um, chromium, you know, from a mineral point of view, chromium. Helps with um, binge eating, interestingly enough, because um, binge eating, again, can be exacerbated if somebody doesn't have blood, good blood sugar control. And poor blood sugar control can even affect your serotonin levels. So that's one of the links with depression. And binge eating comes into that as well. So chromium can really help with, with binge eating, mood and appetite, as well as insulin resistance. Uh, magnesium, we see a lot of people in practice that are low in magnesium, and it's probably one of our most commonly prescribed mineral formulas. And my favourite is fish oil, which we've talked about on this show a lot before as well. What about a fish oil with no taste? That can be the thing you're looking for, <laughs> isn't it? No aftertaste? Well, actually, actually the, the one we have at the moment is 
pretty good. There's a few on the market that are, you know, low low taste, low reflux, but it's finding a good one that's clean because you want to get one that's got no mercury or pesticides yeah. or additives and, and no taste as well is a bonus. Yeah, look, and it's been a real, it's a real dilemma in a sense to understand sugars. It's great you can bring some of that information to understand blood sugar because not all sugars are bad and carbohydrates are sugars. And I never knew any of this when I first started looking to what's healthy. Um, looking at all of those foods that you mentioned that have the carbohydrate carbohydrates in them also have the minerals that the body needs to r- process the r- sugars. Rather than yeah. the processed yeah, you know, Mars bar or you know, chocolate bar, sorry. I was surprised to hear the benefits of um, cocoa. Yeah, cocoa. Tell us about that. Cocoa, cocoa is awesome, and this is where you know maybe a small piece of 80% dark chocolate a day might actually be, have some benefit, although yeah. you would have to actually eat a lot of it to get the benefits of cocoa. But cocoa helps to switch the metabolism from carbohydrate burning to fat burning. Now, if we want some more details, of course, you've got a, a meeting next week. Yep, next Tuesday night. And um, as I said, it will not just be on diabetes. It'll be all about blood sugar, under blood, understanding blood sugar and really how to um, understand the concept of glycemic index and how to really get your diet spot on. Now, what about if we'd like some information on the website? Where can we go to? Um, if people go to um, mullenhealth.com.au, we've got a couple of great blogs at the moment on there on diabetes and diabetes management. Um, plus, there's some they can get um, info about the, the session next Tuesday well night as well. Well worth making the effort and going and having a look at that. Before we go, someone who's been with us, I reckon you've been here two years now. Oh, a little bit time over that. When yeah. we first started the program, the whole idea was to bring the best knowledge, the best people in the business to the fore. And um, Peter, I won't be here as much more as often, but um, you are in absolutely great hands listening to um, Peter Mullen, his knowledge, 25 years in the business. Um, I'm going to continue doing the international accreditation with the RBTI analysis, which which Peter uh, is available with Peter. And so I won't be here as much, but love to... um, very confident. You'll still pop back from time to time, and we'll look forward to that. Oh, just to make sure you're all doing yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. Well, we wish you good luck with all that accreditation, and yeah. we'll see you from time to time. So thank you for being an important part of the program. Thank you. But the program will power on, and we'll look forward to it with you next week, Peter. In Fantastic. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Philip. It's health and wellbeing. Thank you for your company this afternoon. Back at midday next Tuesday at 2 in your RFM. Peter Mullen and Philip Rankin with us.